Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Self Made with D Brown CEO. Joining me today is my guest who was born the youngest of five children into an extremely supportive immediate and extended family. Her parents were entrepreneurs who owned and operated a cleaning and janitorial service. From two years old she remembered being the only African-American family on her street and one of only a few in the entire neighborhood. She has demonstrated an enduring passion for education and servant leadership. As a first-generation undergraduate student, she realized her calling in higher education and has successfully answered that call with a career that spans nearly 20 years. She has a broad range of experience, including academic advisor, administrator, and faculty member. She arrived at Eureka College in 2014 as the special assistant to the president and later as vice president of strategic and diversity initiatives. In the fall of 2015, the Eureka College Board of Trustees announced her appointment as interim president, which began on July 1st, 2016 and ended on June 30th, 2017, when the board announced that she would become the 27th president. She is the first woman and African-American to serve as president of this 165-year-old institution. Ladies and gentlemen, Welcome to the show, Dr. Jamel Wright. I'm so glad to have you on the oh, show today. Thank you so much, Mr. Brown. It's an absolute pleasure. Oh, absolute it's, it's, pleasure my, to be it's here. my pleasure. Thank you. You are a very interesting uh, figure and uh, I have a lot of questions for you. Okay. And so I want to roll right into the program. Sure. Uh, now, tell me, what does it mean to you being the first African American female to lead the institution at, at Eureka College? You know, it's humbling. It's humbling. It's exciting to, to be the first at the same time. And on the other hand, it's very tough and very daunting of a task. Uh, you know, anytime you're first, you have no other shoes to fill. Right. And I think there's an, a, a little bit more of a, a, a lens, a closer, you know, uh, magnifying glass, if you will. Right. That anytime anyone is the first of anything, People really want to look a lot more closely the at the things you're doing. That's right. right. That's right. right. So any any mistake, any you know, but at the same time, any exciting moment, any success uh, can be definitely a, a big deal. So I've I've been very humbled by the experience, and I'm just glad to serve as a positive role model to other people, not only African Americans, not only women, but to everyone, so they can see that we can do any number of things, including being a college president at Eureka College. Right, and so a lot of people get into education and have really long and fabulous careers in that, in that sector, but many never rise to the level of making it to become the president of a university. Indeed. Tell me a little bit about that journey. So, you know, my journey is filled with uh, people who have been put in my path for a purpose. So, and people who have been placed in my path who have been great mentors, been great teachers, who have bent over backwards to help me get to where I am today. So, as a first-generation college student, as you mentioned in the introduction, the road was not easy. However, because of the support of family and friends and those mentors and people who God intentionally put in my path, the road has been something that is manageable 
and is something that I feel like I owe people back. I owe young people uh, something back for all of the things that people have, have done for me. But going from being an undergraduate, realizing that initially I wanted to teach, I wanted to be a right. professor, and then to that transition of thinking, I could be a college president. Right. And I want to be a college president. Right. And having that confidence that I can be a college president, yes. that was something that I will tell you uh, was definitely something that took a lot of support. It took the village. Right. Listen, so being in your position, yes. there has to be a lot of pressure and stress and a lot of work that goes into the, the job. So how do you balance family, work, and self-care? With great intentionality. I am a mom. And that is by far the most important role that I could ever possibly play. So I had to make some very conscious decisions, which are not, you know, favorable to some. One of which is I've agreed that I would never miss a first. I'm right. raising a daughter, uh, you know, an African-American young woman right. who's 15 years old. She's the right. minor still in the home. Right. And I, I can't miss a first, whether it's a basketball game, a musical performance, yes. whatever it is. And I've also committed to, as much as I travel and all of those things, I always want to be there in the morning when she leaves home. If I'm not on the road, right. if I'm not traveling and I'm home, I won't take a meeting that is before she departs for school. Now in part, it's because I need to watch her dress. I need to make sure that, you know, as a 15 year old, um, that we're, we're right. managing, you know, right. kind of what, what she's wearing going out the door. But it's really to make sure she has a, a good start to her day. No, absolutely. And, and I want her to see me and I want to see her and I want to tell her I love her and, you know, her give me a kiss. And so it's, it's with great intentionality, really balancing and understanding the importance of family. And if COVID hasn't taught us anything, right. surely it has taught us the absolutely. importance of maintaining contact with those we love. Yes. With making sure that we prioritize family right. and not keep saying, oh, I have this one meeting or I have this one more right. phone call I have to make. Right. The other thing is disconnecting, being very intentional about the time of day that I disconnect from work stuff. Right. Right. Uh, once upon a time, I didn't do that. In fact, pre-COVID, I can't say honestly that did I did totally that with. No, I wasn't disconnecting. It'd be right. eight, nine, ten o'clock at night. And there I would be, you know, kind of in two worlds. Right. And so it's that type of intentionality and making sure that, that I'm focusing on those things that are helpful to myself for my own health. Right. Uh, you know, getting massages once a month, you know, right. those kinds right. of things. So doing those things that make you happy and bring you joy so that you can remain focused on doing the work. Absolutely. So in your bio, I learned that you grew up uh, being one of the only African-American family in your middle-class neighborhood? Yes. What was that like growing up? What that, were the challenges? That was tough. And, but it's interesting how, how God brings things back full circle because growing up being the first in, right. in the neighborhood and now right. here I am an, another first. But right. that, that was a challenge. You know, having parents tell their kids they couldn't play with us right. and having just that extra little air of suspicion, right. you know, when a ball went into a yard, you know, right. you're thinking, well, wait, no, this, this ball just kind of trickled over here. I'm we not trying to case your right. home, you right. know, <laughs> of anything of that nature. Yeah. And so, so there was some of those challenges. We had nice enough, you know, neighbors. Yeah. Uh, however, you always knew there was that thing, right. you know, right. and, and I didn't start to feel it or even know better, any better. We were too, I was too when we yeah. got there for several years until several years after that. But that was a, there were some learning experiences in there. I learned a lot, especially from my mother during those years, right. of how to treat people no matter what, you know, how to always show respect, yes. always act like yeah. you have home training. 
and always be cordial to people. So even when you know that that they they may have other thoughts, uh, then then you you know speak and you keep moving. But you always show that that respect and yes. that kindness, no right. matter what people do, no matter what they have or don't have. And there was some of of that needed. In, in the neighborhood during that time. Right, and and some of that's still needed today as it's, well, right? Some things never change. That's right, some right. things never change. But you were a first generation college student. Yes. And so I know that uh, with me, it was the same thing. It's, so you're kind of charting a course that no one has been on. Absolutely. What was that journey like for you? That was tough. College, and as you know, is difficult to navigate even if you have a legacies right. of family members right. who have gone before you. But to not have that blueprint right. to really follow or that, that clear roadmap can be very difficult. And so it's, it, it's something that I hold near and dear because there were so many people placed in my path who helped me to navigate that space right. Right. and to do so successfully that, you know, here, here I am at the president at Eureka College where nearly 50% of our students are first generation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that, that's wonderful because I know and understand exactly what they're going through. I understand what their parents and families are going through. You know, we try to stay one or two steps ahead of our children. Right. And so having parents who are already entering an anxiety-ridden process with deciding about college for their sons and daughters, to not even have some of the experience to be able to know even what questions to ask. So, so I'm, I'm really happy to have pushed through that experience so successfully and have some, some notes yeah. Uh, some cliff notes that I can share with <laughs> other families and help uh, some students today. So what is the role of your family in helping you to become a successful college president? Without family, I wouldn't be sitting here today being the president of Eureka College. There is no possible way to serve in this capacity with the, the full scope and gravity of a role such as this with the critical lens that is often placed on the things we do without family. They keep right. me sane, they keep me grounded, and they keep me feeling loved. Right. And ab above and beyond anything else, so when social media is on fire about some decision that I've made that some people don't like, or when the community around is, is concerned about you know, what's going on uh, at the college and what's the president up to, my family, they're the ones who are solid. And right. for me, family includes though that close circle of advisors, of right. mentors, right. and of friends who serve in all of those ways to make sure yes. that I'm able to get up the next day right. and stay right. positive and focused on doing a great job. Yeah, we president. all need that. We all need that village around us, right? right? That that help keep us sane and grounded and and uh, going in the right direction. That's right. That's right. Now, as the president of Eureka College. I'm sure you have some important projects that you want to tackle, some Absolutely. important initiatives. Tell us about some of those. Absolutely. So it's time to take this to the next level. We've done a lot of great works. I am in my sixth year as president, so I have five full years under my belt. Now, you know, a couple of COVID years, and yes. that kind of throws things off. Right. It makes every year feel like dog years. <laughs> right. Right. So, but, <laughs> but you know, we're ready to, to move things to the next level. We're well positioned. We are strong and state financially in spite of COVID. Mm -hmm. So now it's really time for us to focus on what, is, what the community needs. We have some pretty significant workforce gaps here in our region and across right. our state. Right. And we need to be better economic development partners and be more intentional about doing that. So a lot of the work that's being done now and looking at our programs and not just saying, well, you know, yes, we're a liberal arts college and we're gonna remain such, but what does that really mean today? Yeah. So, and what that means today for us is making sure that our 
programs, the transferable skills are relevant for what the employers need in Absolutely. people who they need to hire yes. to help close some of those gaps. So that's what we're ready to blow the hinges off the door now right. uh, with some of the programs that we're creating with the with changing our curriculum completely. We have what's called the 10 Essentials General Education Curriculum, which is gone are the days of these prescribed one of this, two of that, three of the other. Yeah. Uh, we need things that are more customizable and tailor-made. We need to focus on the transferable skills and we need to focus on being more accessible and affordable, but also creating the wraparound support services for first generation students like right, me, right. you know, to make sure that we're not only allowing them and bringing them and attracting them to our institution, but that we're graduating them right. from our institution right. so they can go out and get some of those above living wage positions yes. that are available right. out there. Absolutely. Now you have a long list of accomplish accomplishments and achievements. What do you think the future holds for you? Wow, what a question. So <laughs> the future holds nothing but what I've been doing thus far, which is I live to make my family and those around me proud. I will follow and I will, I will allow God to order my steps. And I have um, in my uh, a four-year contract, my contract at Eureka College was just renewed for four years. So for the next four years, that will be my sole focus is on making sure that the college is positioned for success for the next hundred years to come. And after that, who knows? Right. You know, I'm, I'm enjoying my time as a president. However, you know, I may want to transition and, and do some other things down the road. Whatever those things are, though, I can tell you, young people and making sure that I mentor young people, that I'm available and accessible to young people will be at the heart of it. I cannot yeah. do this work and not give back, hence my right, motto right. of to whom much is given, much is expected right. and required. And, and that's a big thing with me and my company. Uh, we've built our, our model around being able to not only go into communities and, and build success and legacies, but also being able to reinvest in those communities to help change the landscape, exactly. right, and the attitudes uh, within those communities. And so uh, I, I definitely hold you in very high regards for those, uh, those values. What role did your mother play in really making you into the, the woman you are today? My mother, Shirley Santa Cruz, is amazing. I'm not gonna get overly emotional. What I will tell you is that I learned everything from her. Yeah. I learned watching her communicate with people. She was the person who did all of the business stuff yeah. for the company uh, that her and my dad had together and then she opened a gift shop of her own and I learned how to communicate well, how to interact with others, how to build relationships, how to make sure that there's a mutual respect. Doesn't matter what your role is, right? You could, you could have any role and right. she helps me to understand that without that person, the company's not gonna be able to operate well. Right. So it doesn't matter what you do, whatever you do is important and you gotta be the best at doing that. So she taught me how to be excellent. Right. She taught me how to be that's, excellent. That's a, that's a very important philosophy to carry throughout business, life, et cetera, because sometimes it get lost that it doesn't really matter what role a person is playing on right. the team. It's, that's right. it's, all, it's all part of making that engine run and that machine uh, move forward. So you're absolutely right. correct. What would you say your leadership style is? I am a collaborator and I love to get everybody together and establish and have that creative synergy. I think there is nothing like creative synergy. There's nothing like bringing people in a room. We all have great ideas. Yeah. The thing is, we don't have fully thought ideas. 
Correct. ourselves. It takes other people around that table to, to put those pieces together yes. for us. So I, 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 I have the patchwork quilt approach to leadership where I'm able to lead it, I'm able to inspire, and I want that creative synergy though. I'm able to bring the right people in the room right. who are the experts yeah. in their respective area to put that quilt together for success. It's, it's amazing when I listen to you explain uh, different facets of your life and yes. your beliefs, how much we have in common. Uh, you know, my company is the P3 Group, mm -hmm. and so I tell all of my collaborative partners, uh, whether they're working internally or externally, mm -hmm. I say, we're P3 and you're the group, right? So it's to, together we make this happen. It's, it's that uh, uh, ensemble of ensemble of experts That's right. uh, that we bring to the table that help us uh, be successful in, uh, in what we do every day, right. day in and day out. So you know, the best laid plans, as you know, you can come up with the greatest plan ever. And if you don't have people who are buying in, who are committed, who can help you execute it, yes. and who can help you tailor it and put the finishing touches on it, right. that right. plan is nothing. A, a dream without execution dream is without just execution. That's right. a dream. Indeed. So what type of advice would you give to a um, young female professional that's looking to break that glass ceiling um, and, and, and really get to the pinnacle of their career? You know, I would say the first thing that is something that people are still very hesitant to do is ask for help. None of us have gotten to where we are, nor will we get beyond the, this point without knowing when to ask for help and actually making that step to be vulnerable enough to ask, whether it's your circle of advisors or whether it's a cold call mm -hmm. to someone who you just need to ask something from, a favor from. So ask for help. The worst that could happen is someone tells you no. Right. And so I think also being perseverant, having a positive mental attitude, I can't stress that enough. I would hire a person who had less experience but who was trainable and had a positive mental attitude before I would the reverse. Right. Because right. that is so important to be able to rebound quickly when something happens that you don't like or something is unexpected than it is to say, well, I know how to do all of these things. Right but you're not able to rebound to really be able to engage at the level yes. that's needed. So asking for help and making sure that you are persevering and have a positive mental attitude, even when things are very tough, and they will be. Right. The last thing I would say is remembering self-care, to be yes. very intentional about self-care. Be honest about what those things are that you need. And really, you don't have to be honest with anyone else but yourself. That's right. So be honest with yourself about what you need and make sure that you actually take the time to do those things to fortify yourself because you're going to need that fortification as you forge ahead. Absolutely. I couldn't agree with you more. So, you know, I keep going back to your long list of achievements and accomplishments. <laughs> what are you most proud of in your career? I am the most proud of being the 27th president of Eureka College. That is a, a very proud moment for me, I will say. Because in, in this role, not only am I able to do something I love, uh, including working with young people and seeing their evolution over time, right. but I think being, again, going back to being the first, uh, one of the things that I always do is I remember that I am an extension of my family, my mentors, and my friends. And I, I look at the pride that, that they have also mm -hmm. in the work that I'm doing and that I've been able to do uh, during the, my time at Eureka College. And that keeps me motivated and keeps me going, uh, being that role model for, yes. for my daughter and others. So, you know, obviously in your role, and we talked about the challenges and the experience and all of that, 
What is your, your stance on diversity and, and inclusion? What's your position there? You know, I will tell you that one of the, the things that I talk about often, and it, to, to some people's discomfort, quite honestly, is that when we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, there's still some very real conversations that we are yet to have. We've scratched the surface quite a bit, and we've come a long way, right, from over years and decades, even from when I, went, when I was small and we were the first you know, black family in yes. the neighborhood. We've come a long way since then. Right. There's some significant and noteworthy strides there to be, to be discussed and talked about. Having said that, we still have yet a long way to travel. No. And the only way we're going to be able to get there is, again, I've said this word quite a bit, but intentionality, that's probably that's, one of my key words, that's a fact. is that yeah. you can't just say, well, we'll just see who, who comes and who applies if, right. it's, if you're looking at numbers, right. right? Diversity, what we see. Never right. ever underestimate the importance of students or others seeing people who look like them right. in certain roles and in all roles, Absolutely. right? But the inclusivity part, being welcoming, again, is very important. Right. Not just tolerating me, you know, not, not that. That's different than yep. actually having an inclusive right. environment. Right. And then lastly, the, the conversation that is the most difficult is equity. We talk about equity, but I don't know that we're really ready yet to have yes. those conversations because equity requires us to really break down those systems of power that have existed for many, many years uh, in a lot of ways in our companies, in our organizations, our institutions. And in order to really create an equitable system, then we really need to kind of remove ourselves, because it's not our fault, right? Remove ourselves, right. but be able to have real conversations where people, none of us feel threatened or blamed right. for what exists, but we feel empowered and motivated and passionate to ensure that there's substantive change there. I, I couldn't agree with you more. Now, I hope you will indulge me because I have so many questions for you as well. You are quite accomplished also, and I Thank definitely you. hold you and your accomplishments in high regard. But I'll just ask this one question if, sure. if you'll indulge. Sure. How did you come up with self-made? So, it's a long story, but okay. when I purchased my 100-foot uh, my yacht, I was trying to think of a name that really, really embodied who I was as a person. Okay. And so I played around with different names on what I thought would be significant. And so I landed on self-made because I thought about where I come from, you know, my childhood, coming from a, a rural Mississippi town uh, where, you know, poverty mm -hmm. uh, was all around me, uh, no mentors, no role, model, no role models, and thought about how I took that situation and really just took my commitment, uh, my ingenuity, and figured out how to take advantage of opportunities to pull myself up by the bootstraps mm -hmm. and, and be successful. Um, not that every decision I made worked out or was a good decision, but I always figured out how to recover from any failure that I had. And it was that, you know, because those failures are part of what make you uh, who you are as well. It's those lessons that you learn along the way that make you into the person that you, that you grow to be. And so I, I settled on self-made because I felt like, hey, this name to me, you know, I'm talking about starting really from from nothing right. and being able to just use your intellect, your your, your commitment, and that's that's a word I use all the time, commitment, stick to itness, mm -hmm. and 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 using that desire and that inspiration to to transfer that mm -hmm. from me and what I accomplished, but being able to transfer that to other people because they can see a person who is not an entertainer, not a 
a rapper, you know, so you're not seeing me on TV. Mm -hmm. And I didn't gain all of this through athletics and things of that nature, but you can do what I do just by putting in hard work and, and taking advantage of opportunities. So I feel like self-made really embodies who I am as a person. Wow, well, I love that. And I knew that that would inspire me more and make others inspired as well. I love the most what you said about failure because no leader has experienced any success without learning from their right. failures and right. without learning how to fail. Exactly. And to bounce back from exactly. that failure. Dr. Wright, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thank my you pleasure. so much Thank for joining you. us. I'm honored Thanks to Thanks to the, the viewer invitation. for watching. You've been watching Self Made with D Brown CEO. Thank you for watching and remember, without you, there's no me.